Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the All of Life podcast here at Redemption Tempe. My name is Shanae Fister. I'm one of the college and young adult leaders here at Redemption Tempe. And I am joined with three wonderful guests that I've got had the privilege to get to know over the last couple of months. Um, that's Miss Emma Tautolo and Molly and Vic Yates. Did I say it right? You okay. <laughs> All right. And um, we are bringing a lot to the table, including Chipotle chips, um, but hopefully. <laughs> Not sponsored, but hopefully yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, uh, we're going to be talking about lessons from the valley. So it's a conversation of sufferers today. And the way this kind of um, has come into fruition is that the college and young adult ministry here, Kaya, did a series on suffering. Um, just as we saw people in their 20s starting to really hit some of the hard places in their life and, and really begin to experience suffering for the first time. And they felt really ill-equipped. And so one of the um, Tuesday night wisdom feasts that we did, we invited these three to come and to share some of their stories um, as they've gone through suffering of different sorts and to share their wisdom. And afterwards, we were like, this was so good. And it's not just college and young adults that need this, really. It's the rest of the church. And so our hope today is really just to encourage you guys with your suffering um, and to spur you on towards the Lord and uh, to hopefully give you some tools in order to do that. So I would love for you guys just to share maybe uh, a brief, quick, as much as you can, um, narrow down version of what's the journey that the Lord has taken you guys on that kind of led you to be here? Hmm. Well, Vic, do you want to start us off? It'd be my pleasure. Um, I'd, I'd say the how the Lord has led me on the journey to being here, as a quick recap, is I grew up with my grand-aunt who raised me and my two younger brothers. And my mom, she's been in prison since I was five. And my dad, he wasn't in the picture growing up. And so um, really leaned on um, our aunt to raise us in a, in a household that is, um, you could say, uh, multi-generational because she's my grandma's sister. And um, moving on from that in terms of um, the relevance of suffering, I think I've experienced death a lot um, with um, friends and family members um, too many to count. I'd say probably around 45 people that I know who have since passed. And one of the things that I realized when I was um, in college and even um, afterwards is that death is not the norm. And so um, I remember a little less than five years ago, I had a coworker where her grandma had passed away and she was 30 at the time. And it was like, um, that was the first person in her family that had, um, sorry, first person that she had ever known that has passed away. And for me, it was just so um, world shocking um, because I'm like, whoa, that is 
like amazing. And so, um, in terms of that, that's sort of what I'm bringing to the table. Yeah, that's good. I uh, speaking of death, I think that's what I bring to this to a Chipotle covered table today is just um, just coming out of hopefully coming out of a season of death. Um, four and a half years ago, we lost my mom to cancer, like a pretty horrible, painful death to watch um, and be a part of. And that just kind of wrecked my family in a lot of ways. Um, and then in 2021, we almost lost my dad to COVID, which has just, yeah, um, the journey through helping my dad recover, caretaking, and then losing. Um, the year after my mom, we lost one of my dad's brothers last year, another one of my dad's brothers, both to cancer. And so it's just been a literal season of death, but then just the death of so many dreams. You know, my mom will never know any kids we have, any spouses if we ever have them. Um, just, uh, yeah, still being single. There's just, it feels like so much death wrapped up into this season. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I think for me, um, I was actually thinking about it on the drive over here. This month marks 10 years of what I think has been this journey of navigating suffering. Um, so 10 months or 10 years ago this month, my brother had a pretty serious stroke from complications from an addiction to heroin um, that led to like a two-month journey walking with him until he eventually died. So next month will be 10 years since he died. Um, a few years after that, Shortly after Vic and I were married, um, my dad died suddenly. And so navigating that is a, a newlywed. I was 24. Um, so I, I think I was 20 when my brother died. Um, I was there with him when he passed. And then a couple years later, my dad died. And then since we've been married, um, we've lost three babies. We have four awesome, healthy kiddos, but we have lost three babies, and most recently this last year in 2022, we lost two. We lost one in the spring, and then we were pregnant again in the fall, um, and we had a very late miscarriage, like nearing five months of pregnancy. And so in December, we had our baby boy, um, whose name is Hope. And so I think um, we'll get to it today, but I think suffering kind of compiles. <laughs> like it's never just one isolated event. And so as I look pat like back on the last ten years, I'm like, dang, there's a lot of work to do mm-hmm. to kind of work through and sort through all of that, and like where God has been in the midst of that, and what that means for my faith now. So that's what I'm bringing to the Chipotle covered table today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um. Yeah, so we're really just going to dive into some pretty heavy stuff here. So, um, yeah, I want to start with just this um, question of how has the enlightenment shaped our Western culture's view and interaction with suffering so much so that it has really like, I think we're functioning out of a deficit of tools to deal with um, suffering. And and for those of you who are like, what in the world is the Enlightenment? Um, Basically, our Western world was shaped by this age of reason, really, in the 17th, 18th, 19th century. 
And it was a time where philosophers, teachers um, really started to, to emphasize the ability to reason and rationalization. There was um, just this pursuit of a utopia that there was a belief that if we all like combined our knowledge and our reason and our observation, then we could find ultimate truth that would lead us to like harness um, the world so that human beings could basically live in a paradise on earth by, by our own works. And so, yeah, really progress through, through science. Um, there is, Kant had a um, quote that said, dare to know, have courage to use your own reason. Um, and I think that that was really a new idea at that time. And basically modernization and all those things that the world that we live in today has its roots in the enlightenment. So how has this um, age of reason really maybe lended itself towards a debilitation in um, being able to suffer well. Yeah. Well, two things I immediately think of are one of the things that happened in the Enlightenment is um, it kind of created like there was separation and it fractured whole humans. So like Mm -hmm. uh, this idea of even like heaven and hell, like uh, when I die, my spirit leaves my body and I it sucked up into heaven. This this like complete separation of the mm-hmm. spirit and the body. That's all. Um, that all comes from the enlightenment. But when you do that to a sufferer, and you separate like mm-hmm. their reality with like their soul, mm-hmm. like I was like when you're living into these horrible embodied experiences, mm-hmm. but then you're operating kind of in this duality. Like I am these two separate things. There, it offers no ability to heal mm-hmm. because we're so fractured and we're so like, and we it's like we're, our bodies and our minds and our spirits need to be reintegrated, but the enlightenment separated those yeah. things. So I was like, we're, we're definitely operating from a deficit there. But even just this idea of like the enlightenment kind of like, I think therefore I am, mm-hmm. I think gives us this like almost like a triumphant, like I can get through anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. No, you like I was like, that's just there are things in life and that's just life post the fall. We know this. We all know this. Like there are things in life you just you can't just like Mm -hmm. pull up your bootstraps and drag yourself through it. Like it Mm -hmm. takes there's a lot of like inner spiritual, like contemplative work, work with our communities like that we need. So this idea of like, I think therefore I am, I can just progress my way through grief. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, grief does not work that way. Our human brains, the way God created our bodies and our brains to work, doesn't work that way. So it's like, no, the process is slower and I can't just, yeah, I can't reason myself through Mm -hmm. my grief. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, I think I shared at the Kaya night. Um, So I remember in 2010, I went off to college, and I had never. I grew up in Arizona. I had never heard the term haboob. Everybody knows what a haboob is, like a dust storm. And people didn't used to call it that. And I remember. Sorry if you're not from Arizona, you didn't know that term. It's like now, a, yeah, it's a huge welcome. dust storm. <laughs> but it's a new thing, so don't you don't have to use it. Um, but I remember I went off to college, and there was some big storm came, and it was like the first time I'd ever heard people back home, like on Facebook or I think MySpace. 
were posting about this haboob and there was this, I don't even know if they were called memes yet, but there was this picture that went out and it was like um, a picnic table outside and then a picnic chair that was knocked over and no other damage around it. And then the picture said, we will rebuild. And it was like this knock on people in Arizona freaking out about having big weather. Um, it's raining outside. Yeah, it's oh it's gosh. raining. It was windy. We will rebuild. And so, um, but when we were talking about this at the Kai night, I, that was like the perfect picture for me. Yeah. I think of how our society and our culture and our like American spirit of optimism has mm-hmm. shaped us to mm-hmm. be a people that will rebuild. So whatever comes my way, whatever horrible thing it is, um, if I can just make sense of it, like Emma was talking about with reason, if I can just make sense mm-hmm. of this um, and if I can follow these steps, I'll for, I'll rebuild. Like yeah. we, we live in a culture mm-hmm. where we're trained to, I, what's that? I get knocked down and I get up again. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, think mm-hmm. about all the songs and all the, um, and the movies we love where the team comes out and they lose and they're horrible and then they have this crazy off season and they come back and they win. And um, there's not a lot of movies where you have this crazy off season and you come back and you lose and then you go to off season mm-hmm. again, you come back and you lose again because that doesn't sell in yeah. our culture. And so um, I, I think as I've navigated this most recent season of suffering, I've looked back on the 10 years and been like, wow, it was really a disservice to me mm-hmm. that every time I had a big loss, even subconsciously, mm-hmm. my spirit, not necessarily like the Holy Spirit, but my like American optimistic spirit was like, mm-hmm. I'll rebuild. And then we got in this season last year where it was like, we we went through some very hard family stuff with a failed adoption and then we lost a baby and then we got pregnant and I'm like, look at me rebuilding. And then we lost another baby and it's mm-hmm. just, I, I found myself in this place of like, okay, what do I do when I can't rebuild? Mm-hmm. And what do I do when I can't make sense of this and I can't plan my way out of this? I can't like yeah. curate this plan that's going to make me better or make this better. And yeah. so I think... Yeah, that's my how is enlightenment shaped our view of suffering. It's mm-hmm. the chair knocked over, the the we will rebuild attitude that mm-hmm. I think has really it's it's done some good things, but I think for sufferers in the midst of trying to follow mm-hmm. Jesus, I think it's done some really harmful things. Yeah. Yeah, that idea of like we have control because we can rationalize and think through and figure it out and we're gonna like find the answer and like mm-hmm. sometimes you just don't have one. Yeah. 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 Any thoughts, Vic? No, I think they hit it pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I think um, one of the other things that the Enlightenment really did is with this over kind of like emphasis. And, and in a sense, what we don't want to say is that reasoning is wrong or no. yeah. um, unhelpful or not God-given because God has given it us our intellect and our reason. Like all of life is all for Jesus. But it did also at the expense of, it elevated reason at the expense of your emotions, your spirituality, like anything that maybe was considered more subjective um, in your experience, as you were saying, Emma, that totality of a human, Mm -hmm. um, they were separated Mm -hmm. and then they were shoved down Mm -hmm. and they weren't valued. And I really think the modern era really grabbed onto that. And then Molly, what you were saying, just like that idea of like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm -hmm. Like this is like security. This is in your control. 
um, yeah. yeah, you can do those things that, yeah, yeah, there's a real disservice to that. Yeah. I think about, you just remind, I remember when my brother died, I was in an anatomy class at ASU and I remember staying after and asking my anatomy teacher, I kind of explained what had happened towards the end. And I said, can you explain this to me? Like I, I think I had this idea that if I could understand physically what happened, like how mm-hmm. some somebody that I love so much went from alive to not alive, that I would feel better. And so he walked me through, you know, this is what the heart did and this is. And I think as I'm as Emma's talking about this separation, I had this idea. And then I think I ran with it like, oh, okay, I can make some sense of this. I understand. Mm-hmm. I think it didn't give a ton of room for me to be like, but my soul is so sad mm-hmm. and it like doesn't sit well in my soul. And so I think when those are so separate, then you're just like, okay, well, this at least is an answer. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with this because it's much harder to be like, yeah, but I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't want to sit in that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Totally. I totally picture Molly like, <laughs> when you said that. No, I really do. I picture rubble all over mm. the ground because you're like, oh, I can't rebuild this because mm. you're such a rebuilder. Like, she totally is. But there's this pile of rubble and you're like, I can't rebuild it. And just sitting amongst that mm-hmm. is so hard. Mm-hmm. But that's like, that's what suffering forces you to just sit and stare at sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, the rubble that you can't rebuild. Yeah, yeah. Um. So given what we have just been talking about, I'd love to hear just from you guys in your own experiences, what what did you guys view suffering really before you came face to face with it? What was your idea of it? What shaped that view? Um, yeah, I, I would love to hear that. I think what I viewed suffering as is like, uh, I think of daytime television um, like a soap opera almost, and something really, really tragic happening that was out of everyone's control, and then it's like, wow, it's the next that, or it's the end of the episode, so then you got to tune in next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that um, when suffering arrived on my doorstep, I think my perspective changed because I realized how um, how subjective suffering is, and um, it's hard for people to be empathetic to people that have more than them when it comes to mm-hmm. suffering. And I think that, that's one of the, um, for me, it's uh, an easy differentiator of, of um, problems, if you will. So like so you say, well, um, Robert or Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, he lost, let's just say, $30 million. Woohoo. Uh, I, I'd just be happy with $1 million, you know? And then you don't realize that, like, hey, that's within his worldview, and that's a really tragic moment. And so when I think about, like, suffering for me and how, like, it's changed from that, it's, like, recognizing that, like, similar to what Molly was saying earlier, of, like, hey, it is good for your soul to grieve mm-hmm. and recognize when hard things have arrived at your doorstep. And I think it's um, unhealthy as what Molly alluded to, which I've done before, is like just try to power through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't sit there and like recognize it like this is a hard moment and I'm sad and all this. And what ultimately ends up happening is you either end up in counseling or breaking down somewhere down the road mm-hmm. because something has connected your mind back to the trauma that you never dealt with. Mm-hmm. So 
I was totally, um, you know, Romans 8, 28. <laughs> and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and mm. called according to his purpose. So, like, hard things would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, God's working this out for my good and for his glory. And not to say that that's not true. But then there was also this, like, the Psalm 27 verse, like, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So it was like, all right, I'm going to see your goodness, Lord, now in the land of the living. And I I still think both of those are true. But I think it was this kind of like Molly said, there's always a triumph over Mm -hmm. suffering. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older, (laughs) I've often said they know they've heard me complain about it. I've often been like, all my youth group leaders done lied to me because um, there isn't always a victorious triumph Mm -hmm. over grief and suffering. Mm -hmm. There's just not. I believe there will be one day, right, like uh, in the new creation. Like that will someday come, but I don't know that. I'm promised to see the redemptive purpose of suffering in the here and now always. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that was true growing up. Never, ever. But the older I've gotten, I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know that I'll, I don't know that I'll always see this good, godly, redemptive reason. Maybe not until Mm -hmm. um, restoration, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, when you were asking that, I thought of that. It's like a cliche quote. What is it? a minor setback for a major comeback. Like just that, like I just, I think we could spend like the whole podcast just throwing out Mm. like songs and quotes out of that. Okay, this is a setback. um, But after a setback comes this Mm -hmm. major victory or this major triumph and then it'll all make sense. Mm -hmm. Like I think there's so many verses and and lessons and that we've been taught that's like man this will all make sense when when things are good and something good happens after the bad like then um then this will make sense and it'll fit in my story and it'll fit in God's story um and it's that is it's that's inaccurate like it doesn't always like there's mm-hmm. like I don't know if I'll ever see where it fits mm-hmm. to be like holding my dead son like yeah. I don't know where that fits in God's redemptive purpose for the undo, world you can't undo that yes yeah. Yeah. yeah and so um I think the more hits you take the more you start to be at a little bit like yeah I don't know if the setback is is gearing me up towards a major comeback um and I think that's really when that gets so enmeshed in our faith like when that spirit of resilience and victory and triumph gets so enmeshed in our faith, it becomes like a faith all on its own. Like Mm -hmm. that's not what the story of, I mean, in some ways the story of the Bible is telling us that, but it's Mm -hmm. not telling us like, okay, if if I lose this in 2020, Mm -hmm. then in 2023, like you better expect me to, like it's my glow up Mm -hmm. year. Like that's just not, (laughs) it's a glow, glow, you know? So I think that story, I think it's just gotten so enmeshed with our Christian faith. and it's done so much damage. Like it's done so much damage to me. Um, it's expensive to work through it on the back end, um, and it's just yeah. I think it's. I think there's a lot of people, especially coming out of COVID, that have been like, oh yeah, this is, man, this is not what I, that's not what I expected, or I haven't seen my my comeback yet. Yeah, I d- I don't want to like jump ahead, Janae, but yeah. one of the things I was thinking as Molly was saying this, I'm like, 
this is part of, um, like, when we're not discipled and formed in, like, how do we suffer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, like, listen, when you follow Jesus, your life is about to be just top of its game. Mm-hmm. You're about to be <laughs> killing it in all areas of life. Um, but when we don't, like, actually form and shape people, mm-hmm. like, to suffer and prepare people mm-hmm. for, like, a life lived with Jesus is a life where su- suffering is promised. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we even take it even worse, like, as Molly was saying, and that we say, well, God, now I'm suffering this, so you actually owe me. Mm-hmm. So in 2021, mm-hmm. I done gone through the ringer. So in 2022, <laughs> you owe me blessing mm-hmm. because I've walked through this for your mm-hmm. name. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 God, God is not... Um, our genie in a bottle. Mm-hmm. God does not owe us anything. Mm-hmm. And like, if we didn't read the scriptures <laughs> when we became Christians, right? Like, the Bible actually promises us the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, in this life, you will have tribulation. Mm-hmm. Not like mm-hmm. in this life, it, you're, it's going to be lit yeah. all the time, yeah. right? So like, I think we when we come like incorrectly to the scriptures, mm-hmm. and then how like how we're formed around the word and what it means to be a Christian, then mm-hmm. it's like, I do think this is why people end up deconstructing because mm-hmm. they come like, and they had this idea of this is, this is what it was supposed to be, God. This ain't it. So you owe me this. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, he doesn't owe us nothing. So then everyone gets all like, well, this is what I thought my life was supposed to be. Then this isn't it. This can't yeah, be it. Yeah. So I'm like, the whole thing starts to unravel from this place yeah. of like, I yeah. didn't know suffering was coming from you. Yeah. And I think that really, um, I think two things that you guys are just reminding me of is it's so important to know the biblical story and like what scripture actually says. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Molly, one of the things that you were saying reminds me of Job and just how he gets um, at the end, he has a new wife and he has children and he has wealth and Mm -hmm. all those things. And, um, I don't know about you guys, but before really understanding what this is like imaging, I used to be like, this rings like kind of hollow. Like, what about those kids? Like, what about that wife? Sure, you have new ones, but like you can't replace that. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think that's how Job is taught, rather than it's like taught as like, oh, he, they're not saying like this undoes the pain, but that in the end, like God is going to work like this mm-hmm. restoration and like wholeness that will come. Um, but that doesn't mean you experience that yeah. now. Yeah. It makes me, it's funny, Emma, before you said it, I was literally thinking of that verse, like we're talking about verses that you've heard that are true, but maybe not taught like in a way that really helps you during suffering. But I think you hear a lot like, hey, in this world, you'll have suffering, <laughs> but take heart because I've overcome the world, which is, and I think that's in in a lot of circles and a lot of the ways we were like formed and shaped growing up as believers, that's what you're told. And so so your takeaway is kind of like, well, okay, take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. But that doesn't really do much for me when I like can't get out of bed because I'm so sad or like all I want to do is call my dad or, you know, in these, in these real tangible moments of suffering, take heart, Jesus has overcome the world, it kind of falls flat because nobody did like the hard, deep work of discipleship of like, but what does that look like when you're like when Emma's sitting with her mom as she's Mm -hmm. dying? Like what, you know, other than just like, hey, I'll throw this verse at you, just remember it or write it down. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think we're 
we're taught, what does that actually look like? What does that, how does that help your soul in the midst of this? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, and we'll move into my next question. My next question is, um, yeah, how has the church unhelpfully used God's word for those who are suffering? Now, this question is coming out of, on our panel, you guys had shared that one of the really hard things for you was when people not so close to you who like really knew what was going on in their effort to comfort, right, in in all good faith and care, um, would maybe throw like pithy Bible verses at you. Um, or these like Christianese sayings and terms that might be like true, but they just fall in the face of suffering um, when they're not handled delicately. So I would love to hear, yeah, like maybe let's like dive into this idea of like, why, why is it that God's word to the sufferer doesn't often feel like a comfort when, when it should it really should and we're going to make that argument later but why why is that i think that oftentimes the reason why it doesn't um comfort is because the situation does not look similar to what they're reading in scripture so (laughs) you could go through a multitude of ways of thinking of suffering for folks but when you look in like let's just say the gospels for instance and you see suffering it doesn't go um line for line with what they're encountering. Like I'm thinking about in like Matthew. So I'm in Matthew 10 and 10, 16 says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, Don't be anxious of how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. And there's a few more verses after that. But when you're looking at the suffering from the scriptures, people are oftentimes looking for a comfort of like, how does that speak to where I'm at right now? Mm -hmm. And so when someone brings you, uh, (laughs) let's just say, a psalm or or this Matthew 10 and says, man, listen, we knew suffering was going to come and you just lost your uncle. Who, who, who raised you um, from the age of 10 on, and um, he, he got hit by a car. That, <laughs> you giving somebody Matthew 10 is not an assist, and actually um, it, it's, more of a, um, <laughs> it's more of a black eye of Scripture because now people are trying to internalize it and say, well, how does that work with where I'm at? Mm-hmm. And then, for me, I think it's more dangerous um, because now it's to what uh, maturity level of the scriptures does the recipient have of that? And if they if they're not at a level of what you said earlier, which I love, is like um, a maturation of spending a lot of time in the scriptures. Now they're just taking this scripture, Matthew ten, at face value, and saying, "Well, God doesn't God doesn't understand my suffering," mm-hmm. you know, because they don't have the full context of what God is trying to communicate through his word. And so that's where um, I think the church sometimes we get it wrong of always trying to throw what I would say is a Band-Aid or a scripture on a um, on a wound that <laughs> needs stitches, mm-hmm. right? So if you've, ever, if you've ever been around stitches or you could YouTube it, you put a Band-Aid on stitches and it's going to be bad news for that recipient, mm-hmm. right? And oh, just go to sleep. <laughs> They're going to they're gonna bleed all night long. 
and it's not going to heal properly. And I think that's similar to what happens sometimes mm-hmm. when you try to band-aid scriptures to folks who are in um, really or mm-hmm. really troubling seasons of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to jump on Vic's wound metaphor because I'm even thinking like, or just there's oftentimes where you have a wound that before it gets any type of like stitches or bandit, it just needs to be open for a little bit. And I think about like, I, I mean, I've had a decent amount of losses. I've never had somebody just send me the book of Lamentations as like an, incre- you know, there's it's always like a verse that has this, like this, like the, you know, like point A, lowercase a, lowercase b. Like it's always this back end of something that is supposed to reshift my focus towards, but it's going to get better. And I, and I think because our culture, like even our church culture, we don't do well just sitting and lament. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know how to sit and lament ourselves. It's uncomfortable. And we don't know how to sit with other people in their lament mm. and not say something to cheer them up, but just to say like, hey, I'm just going to sit with you. And we don't even have to talk. We're just going to yeah. sit here and lament together because this is not how it should be. And so I think like we could probably go on and on about specific verses, but I think it's just been unhelpful as a whole to to not say, hey, there's there's actually books here that allow you to just sit and mm-hmm. and your grief and your suffering and ask God why and just wait. Yeah. Like I, I remember when I lost my dad, um, Vic and I were newlyweds, so we had like no idea how to be married, how to really talk to each other. We dated for like five minutes before we got married. And it was hard because I was just grieving. I didn't want to get out of bed. It was very hard for me to like open the Bible. And Vic is like the most disciplined person I know. And so he's like, dude, you got to, it's been a couple months. You got to like get into the scriptures. And he's like, because it's true. It's taken us, it's taken us a few years to figure out how to suffer together because we're different. Um, But I remember we went over to one of our, one of the old pastors here. We went over to his house and I think, Vic was like, man, I need this pastor to tell Molly, like, she's got to get into the Bible. That's the only way she's going to feel better. And he was like, hey, just read Psalm 13 every day, however long it takes till you feel like reading something else. And if you're not familiar with Psalm 13, you can Google it. But it's it starts with, how long, oh, Lord? Like, how, how long am I going to sit here while I can't see your face? And that's kind of it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think for, like, weeks, that's all I read. And because it's kind of all I, I mean, it's the only thing I felt Mm -hmm. like I didn't want to hear, but you'll work this out for the good. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to be able to like sit in front of God and be like, how long, how long am I going to have to sit here? Um, So I think we as a, as a collective people can do a better job of that. Like Mm -hmm. not everything, not everything has to have a positive spin at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the two things that you guys are hitting on are this like biblical illiteracy, really. And as I was thinking through this, I was like, this is like the verse apps where it's like your verse of the day. (laughs) Like we have discipled ourselves to read God's word that way. And so when we like come alongside someone who's suffering, that's how we comfort is like with the verse of the day Mm -hmm. or, um, and, and what I don't want you guys to hear is that we're downplaying the power of God's words because really like it is so powerful when applied in the right way and the breadth and the depth that it allows a person to walk with the Lord through is incredible. And then the other thing is just like, we're emotionally stunted. 
like because of the enlightenment and um, modernization, like there's this emotional um, deficit that we like, we don't know how to do it with ourselves or with other people. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, and I'll share my two cents too, but what are places in the biblical story in scripture books or things like that, that really give people um, who are suffering. And even if they're not suffering um, a good view of like what it can look like to suffer and like find comfort from God's word. I'll go with the unpopular opinion. I, I like the book of Acts. And I say that because you see that the Holy Spirit is now present and now the followers of Jesus are having to operate um, as a as the church, and you get to see um, <laughs> you get to see over and over again people that are encountering suffering. And I think that so many times in church culture, um, Paul is esteemed as like the guy, but but we gloss over how much suffering Paul encountered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even with um, Stephen. Or Stefan for <laughs> for those who would like to pronounce it as Stefan. Um, um, I think of him and like there there was no um, triumphant moment in terms of like a celebration because he was a martyr mm-hmm. for the faith. And so when you read over that, it's easy to go from Acts seven to Acts eleven and move on with your life. But if you do some of the um, emotional work to sit there and go. And what was it like to be around the time of Stephen? You would recognize it like, hey, I can't even read Acts 8 right now because I'm so shook by what happened to to this guy who was a really great follower of Jesus. And that's not um, gender specific. It's like throughout the story, and this is where I think this is what happens with um, caricatures of the word, is so many times you can read this stuff and not really highlight on the suffering because we're looking at Revelation and goes, but in the end, Jesus, if you're on his team, you win. Ha-ha. And people are missing the nuances of how God has um, filled the Bible in Old Testament and New of how suffering is all throughout his word, but it just doesn't get talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason why it doesn't get talked about is because um, as what someone said earlier, like the, what the culture wants, the culture of Christianity, the church does not want to lead with, hey, come here. Hey, come back next week, man. We'll talk about suffering. Mm-hmm. It's like there's someone who, <laughs> who's new to the faith on the outside. It's like, mm, nope, I won't yeah. be there. And so I think when I think of Acts, I think it's really good because you get to see like, oh, and these are people that love God, but they're still going through traumatic things. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, I think it's like that idea of how people are like, um, in the church, we don't want to talk about suffering because I like the gospel is the answer to suffering, to the fall, right? Like, so the biblical stories, it was good. Like, and then there was sin and the rest of the story is God and like taking on sin for himself and Christ and, and giving an answer to it, but still like saying, this is the reality and this is why I've come. Like, you can't run from it and I'm the only salvation from it. So it's just is so interesting that we're like, yeah, let's not talk about suffering because that's what the gospel is the answer to. Yes, like when's the last time, going on what you're saying, makes you think of 
When's the last time you saw a verse that was popularly highlighted that mentioned suffering? You don't. Mm -hmm. And like for someone to be like at a football game, it's like Acts 14, 22. Oh, what does that say? And then at the back end of Acts 14, 22, it says, um, through suffering and many trials, you must enter the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's like, huh? <laughs> Man, <laughs> what? Like that's that's not um, something that's highly desirable. But when people start to make a connection, of like, oh, God actually says that, then it gives them more of their toolkit to what you were saying about the biblical illiteracy of being more in a place of um, wholeness when it comes to the word of saying, oh, suffering is part of this. Mm -hmm. Like, because I would I would say for those who are the unchurched, when you bring up suffering in like the church, they go, no, I mean, I know, and we we've said it before, like blessed and highly favored, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like that's the response to your uncle just died. 40 minutes ago, how you doing, Vic? Oh, blessed and highly favored. And it's like, man, I thought you and the uncle had a good relationship. Yeah. Oh, we did. He's he's heaven bound. Blessed and highly favored. And it's like, there is room for you to process your grief and be sad about yeah. like the the lack of access to the individual who's gone or the multitude of other things that are gone. Like I got in a car accident um, a little over a month ago. I was sad about my car. Mm -hmm. My car got totaled. Right, and I'm sitting there rerunning in my mind. I'm like, man, what could I have done differently? Da, da, da. And I'm like, dang. And I sit there with the Lord. And I'm like, man, I did. And this isn't. I did as I processed with the Lord. I'm like, man, I did everything I was supposed to do. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the name of the game, man. Somebody hit me, and and that and that's what happened, right? And so I say that of like, there is so many times with this suffering, an uncomfortable part in our Christian circles, mm -hmm. with being like, okay. As Molly said and Emma said, of like, dang, this just sucks. Mm -hmm. And 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 there's always a, uh, it's always followed with like the Superman moment. Mm -hmm. Like this sucks, but brother, I tell you what, 2024 is your year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, and so now people are missing of what God's trying to communicate through suffering, right? Of like these connection points of like, for me, anytime I see suffering. In my own life, it, it causes me ultimately to tap into the Lord's footstool mm -hmm. and be like, God, I need you more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when suffering's far from me, I could still be like, ah, oh, it's great. But it's like the almost the yin and yang of suffering draws me ultimately closer to God. Mm -hmm. And when I'm when things are going dandy and fine, still love the Lord. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not at his footstool mm -hmm. like I am in terms of suffering. And so I think that's where it's like. You really start to plea and have a higher sense of urgency mm -hmm. when suffering's at your doorstep than when it's not. Mm -hmm. I I was just thinking of um, John. I was thinking of Lazarus. I think it's mm -hmm. John eleven. Yeah. But I think what's I think I love what what Jesus does in there is because you know he comes to Jerusalem. Lazarus' sisters are like, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't mm -hmm. have died. Mm -hmm. And. Everyone is so sad, and Jesus is like, "Open the, you know, open the tomb." And they're like, "No, it's been four days. It's about to stink. Mm -hmm. It's about to smell of decay." And he's like, "Open it." But before he even does that, Jesus knows he's going to say, "Lazarus, get up!" Right? Like in his head, he has to know he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But instead of being like, "Don't cry, girls. I got you," it says that he wept. Mm -hmm. He just wept, and I was like. Man, even though, like, we as believers, 
we all can look towards restoration. Like that day's coming when Jesus is going to say, get up out of your graves. We can all, we know that day's coming, but I think it's such a discipline of us in our walk with Jesus to stop and weep, Mm -hmm. to weep over our losses, to weep with others Mm -hmm. who are grieving is such like the discipline of the way of Jesus is Mm -hmm. to weep. Mm -hmm. And I think, Shanae, on your question on like, where do you go in the scriptures? Mm -hmm. If there's so many scriptures that don't feel helpful. um, I think all of us could sit here and give different answers. And I know a little bit later, we're going to talk about kind of practically more specifically what this has looked like for us. Um, But I just would offer, like, instead of a prescription of, like, go to Psalms, Mm -hmm. go to this verse, or go, I think something in this last season that God has really been challenging me in is um, we're not like the inventors of the wheel and what it means to follow Jesus in the midst of suffering. And there's so many practices that the church has done Mm -hmm. for, like, thousands of years to root themselves in who God is. Um, and so I think of like, like books, like the book of common prayer, I think about going to the, I think, so I would say less than, oh, I would advise this specific book and chapter. I would advise, we kind of rethink how we go to the scripture. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't, maybe I'm not going to go to the scripture, like with my notebook and my pen, and I'm going to underline things and write how they practically apply to my life. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this. What are, I don't know, some of the acronyms on how I go, how I sit down in my Devo time for 15 minutes in the morning with my, you know, I think just approaching it different as a practice of like, I need something deeper than my individual faith and my individual prayers and my individual ability to look at the Bible and make sense of it to sustain me when life is really freaking hard. Mm -hmm. Like I need practices that believers have been doing for thousands of years. So like, what are the prayers they've been praying? Like, can I pick up the Psalms and just read them? Not to like underline and learn something new or to get an answer, but just as an offering to God. Like here's, uh, like I need to hear those words over Mm -hmm. me, not because it's gonna fix me, but because people have done this for a long time Mm -hmm. and it's worked. Like people have faithfully continued to follow Jesus and pass on the following of Jesus. And so I would offer that maybe it's less about like the, like the, a verse that really resonates with Emma and suffering could be totally different. Like I could hear that and I could be like, oh, it doesn't really Mm -hmm. do much for me. Um, You know, but I think finding practices and and the way that we come to the scriptures that are are bigger than us. Um, Because it's, I will say that's one of the things I've, I've learned is like my own my own individual faith and like what I think I know to be true about the Bible and God isn't enough to sustain mm. me because um, there's like a lot of days in the midst of suffering where I don't want to do it mm-hmm. and so where can I go um, like who's done it before me and can I just say what they said until I believe it or I feel it yeah yeah I think you're hitting on another thing too is God gives us his word but he also gives us his people mm-hmm. Um, past saints and then like our current peers and community within the church. And um, I know like for me, and I think Emma, you said this too, maybe the last time we had this conversation, but just like that idea of like, sometimes you just need someone to say like, I'll hold the faith for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But you kind of, <laughs> Molly's like, that was me. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, we all too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But like, we just need it because some days it's just like the enemy's just on you and you just need someone else to hold, hold it up. And um, like, that's the beauty of the body of Christ and like really like the call to be part of, part of his people and his kingdom. So, yeah. Um, okay. I'd love to hear just what it has actually looked like for you guys as you have encountered suffering and then turned to the Lord. Like, what have those interactions looked like? Oh, boy. They have. <laughs> I feel like I always share. I was like, I'm pretty sure, like, five years ago, I did another podcast where I shared this story. And I shared it sobbing. So... Let's let's try to get me to not share it sobbing, but I also shared it on the panel. But um, like for me, I, I I was like when my mom was dying, and I was literally squeezing morphine in her mouth through a syringe every hour mm-hmm. and trying to feed her bites of baby food. Dang it, I'm not gonna be able to do it without crying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those were like the most horrible days of my life. And I really remember, I was like, I really want to be this great, powerful, faith-filled woman who's like, God, no matter what, even if you're good, I really, really wanted to be that in the moment, sitting in my mom's bedroom. But I couldn't, I couldn't be that. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there, and the only thing I could muster out in my prayers, I had nothing to pray. But I would just, I was so honest with God. And I just would tell him, I hate you. I hate you for doing this. I hate you for making us watch this. I hate you for not intervening and like healing our mom. I hate you for making us do this. Mm. And that's all I had. And I really wanted to be different. But but there was, that was the honest cry of my heart Mm. to the Lord. And I look back and I'm like, oh, dang. I've been really honest with God, like, like maybe a little too honest. Um, like, oh, like the amount of times I've told God I hate Him, you know. I'm like, God, thank you that you still love me mm-hmm. and you never leave me. Um, but I think as I can look back at it, I'm like, there's still there. I was not that beautiful picture of God. Whatever you like, I accept, you know. But there was a beauty in that I knew the God over life and death. I was mad as hell at him, but I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And the way, and it didn't matter what it was like. Mm-hmm. It, it was messy then, but it was poured out on the only one who has the power over life and death. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's beauty in turning to God, mm-hmm. no matter what it looks like. Mm-hmm. There, there was beauty in the, in the moment of like, I'm turning to the one, the only one that is, he's it for me, right? I'm turning to him. And I'm like, there was beauty in that, even though it was anger and I was spewing things at him. I don't wish to say to him all the time, but um, so I think there from that, I'm like, there is such a, um, the emotional stuntedness you talked to earlier today, like there is a reality of like, shed the layers of your, like, your saving face before the God and the creator who loves you. Mm -hmm. Like, come to him with honest crying out, like Molly was saying, in lament, 
Sometimes the little cursing has to go up in there, you know, like, but there is something about bringing it to the feet of Jesus mm -hmm. that's just really powerful, mm -hmm. even if it's ugly and messy, you yeah. know? Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to no. make it sad like that. I just can't talk about <laughs> that and I didn't cry. mean to make this podcast about suffering sad. Sorry about that. <laughs> we were going for the triumphalism. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's what we were shooting we're, for, actually. Yes. So. Um, yeah, you know, it's crazy. I remember, oh, man, maybe, hopefully I deleted it off my Instagram, but maybe I didn't. Um, I remember the day, the night my brother died, I posted on Instagram I was like, I mean, I would have been 20, and I was a very new believer. And I remember I posted this long caption. I was like, how much I loved him, whatever. And then there was this whole thing about how good God was. Mm -hmm. And and I just, I look back on that, and I'm like, oh, my, I was just so young and so, like, desperate to, one, believe those things to be true, and, two, I honestly— Nobody said, Molly, you have to do this. But I felt like I had to. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, people know I follow Jesus. This thing that's really horrible happened. I need to make sure it's like a PR move for Jesus. Like, I need to get out in front of this mm -hmm. and make sure everybody knows that I still think that God is all of these things that he says he is. And I kind of think, I think of that <laughs> that moment as like the start of this 10-year journey. Um, and there was a few years in there where, man, the— the side effects of not bringing my grief to the Lord and being mm -hmm. really real in front of Him and working through my stuff played out in really destructive ways in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, and what I was doing with my friends and how, you know, it just was destruct. It was destroying me. And I remember when my dad died saying to Vic, like, okay, I want to suffer well. And I, I don't even know where I got. I'm sure I heard that phrase and I read that phrase in like a book. But I didn't know what it meant, but I gave it, like, an honest try, you know. And I just think, like, um, we just have these ways that we think we have to be, mm -hmm. like, when suffering comes, the things that we have to say, oh, I, but I know God is good, or, um, and it, and so I look, and you said, you know, on our own journey, and I just, um, like, I, as I was driving here, I knew you were going to ask this question, so <laughs> I was thinking through this, and I was like, Dang, I think something really beautiful. And if I'm being like I'm being honest on the podcast, I would take the whole 10 years away. Sometimes like I'm like I would take my brother back and my dad back and my babies back and you like if given the option, I think if we're all being honest, we're like, yeah, I'd probably I take a redo or if God wanted to like redo that one. Um, but I think there's something really beautiful that I look at these 10 years and I'm, you know, if suffer if crazy suffering came for me tomorrow, like I'd be back in bed and Vic would be like, you got to eat. But I think there's something really beautiful as I look at my faith now. And I'm like, man, this was hard earned. Like this is mm -hmm. like where where I've been at with the Lord since we lost our son, which honestly I think has been the worst of all of it, mm -hmm. is like, man, this, this place I'm at with the Lord, it's not ignorantly optimistic or like blindly hopeful or... Instagram worthy, but it's like the gritty, hard-earned work of like trying to stay with it in Jesus, with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I think of like these verses that I cling to in, in times like this, and they're not 
awesome. They're not like these, oh, Mo, like how Emma's saying, it's not like, oh, Molly is just this woman of faith, and it's so, like, on semi-faith. Like, there's Peter says, and I think it's John, Jesus is like, are you going like, are you going to leave? And Peter's like, where else would I go? Like, you you have the very words of life. He literally is like, where else would I go? And I'm sure he doesn't mean it with the attitude I say it in. But when I read it, that's how I feel it at times. Like, well, where else would I go? Like, this sucks. But, there, you know, I haven't—I've mm-hmm. tried just about everything else. And nothing else that I've tried has made my soul hurt any less. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this verse I read in Job a few weeks after we lost our son. And he literally says, God might kill me but I've got no other hope. And so there's just some verse. I told Emma, it's, I call them my emo verses. Okay. It's emo Molly. Um, but honestly, there's been verses like yeah. that that have brought me more comfort. I know Revelation is coming. Like, I know that there's a day coming where I'll see mm-hmm. and kiss and hold my son. I know mm-hmm. that God is going to make all things right. But right now, I just want to be able to be honest mm-hmm. and be like, I, I got nowhere else to go, so I'm going to, like, fight. to. I, that's all I got mm-hmm. is to put my hope in this. Um, so it's not as—it's probably not—I'm not, like, a good motivational speaker for it, but I just—I'm, like, proud of—man, my faith isn't glamorous, and it doesn't look great on Instagram, but it looks like real work with Jesus mm-hmm. that has come at, like, a great cost— and not and I think Emma touched on not just a cost to me, like the people that have walked with me, mm-hmm. like our community, our family, my husband, my professional counselors, like it's come at a cost to other people to walk with me. Um, and it's been it's been messy, but it's like I feel in a pretty like a a sad place, but a a, a good place with Jesus, which mm-hmm. I don't I think ten years ago. I, I probably looked better on the outside. I sounded better, mm-hmm. but I was not better on the inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. You guys are both like, I'm like tearing up just listening for both of you guys. What about you, Vic? What's it look like? Um, I think for me, interacting with God in the midst of suffering, um, I have this um, similar to... Uh, David with um, his uh, the passing of his child approach Mm -hmm. where it's like when I recognize that this is in a hard season and if I have the opportunity so if it's like somebody's health or something that is on the decline um, um, I'm praying uh, (laughs) I'm praying like nobody's business of like healing and like hope and restoration and like um, just that a miracle would come through until otherwise noted, right? And um, when I think of, like, um, this mindset, it's like then when, if the Lord chooses not to provide the healing that I've requested, then it's like, then I have to I follow up with a conversation with God about, like, how am I feeling emotionally about what's happened and transpired and, like, why is it hard for me and, like, um what are the implications? And like for me, that typically looks like a walk, um, just me and God or uh, me journaling. Um, and so I do that to like just spill out um, like my emotions at the footstool of God. And then typically it's um, uh, p- 
peppered with uh, crying my eyeballs out um, in terms mm-hmm. of suffering. Um, and so I think that um, over the course of time, when it, it becomes a muscle. It really becomes a muscle mm-hmm. of suffering. So, like, there, there is um, this muscle that I've been working for over a decade, and I think about, like, the first time that I encountered death with, like, a close friend and how, like, um, world-shattering it was for me. Um, and so it's, like, in that I know that, like, God has suffered the most of anyone in humanity. And so um, bringing my suffering to God's footstool is um, never— uh, more than what God can take, and it may not feel like God can core or um, have a correlation to what I'm going through at times because I'm so self-centered. So I think of like um, when there was a family friend that I was a mentor for, and he was like uh, maybe ten years old, and he ended up having this. Um, uh, I think it was his uh, asthma. He had bad asthma, and he ended up in the hospital, and then he ended up in a coma. And uh, in this process, it happened, like, all less than, like, let's say, a four-day time frame. And for me, of, like, being his mentor and, like, his big brother, it was just so, like, so quick and sudden. Mm -hmm. And so um, for me, I think of, like, when I can even think back to that because I was a believer at the time, I was one of the things that stood out to me was, like, God, please, not let this happen. And then when it actually happened of him passing, it was like, all right. It, it didn't have a correlation on on our relationship because I know that God does not answer to me. I answer to God. And so I also know that um, since the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God is a faithful answerer of prayers. And so when you're able to live in a nuanced space where you know God can answer um, the prayer that you're asking for, but he may not, but you still um, push the prayer to his footstool as if he is going to. I think it's a really healthy space in in the terms of suffering because it's not putting God in a box, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's easier when suffering encounters of like, like Molly said, emo, to like have an emo um, perspective of your faith. But I think that the challenge, as you see in the scriptures, is like, coming to God as if he will until otherwise noted. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of like, what does that look like for me? It's like, hey, I'm I'm like <laughs> the three Hebrew boys of like, hey, um, I'm going to pray as if, and even if it ain't, God's still good, mm-hmm. right? And because I've seen him work time and time again. And so I think that um, it's a uncomfortable spot for us as believers to know that we can pray bold pra- prayers. We can pray bold prayers and God could say, not right now. Mm-hmm. And what I think is the uncomfortable spot for um, many believers is like they feel like the weight is on them. Like, man, I prayed in front of 15 people asking for healing for my cousin and then come through and now it's in the, And I'm like, when you realize like, hey, this is never on you. You're, mm-hmm. You are just a conduit to like tap into the power of God, but you are not the power of God. Yeah. And so God gets to dictate when that when it moves and when it doesn't. And so I think for me, um, as I've seen it over time, um, interacting with God in the midst of suffering, it, it brings me to a place of like, hey, there is no better comforter um, than G.O.D. 
And I think that the comfort of God looks different for different seasons and for different um, individuals are suffering. But, um, yeah, there's no better comforter. There is nothing that compares um, to the comfort of God. And, I mean, I'm a... I'm a stress eater, so I like to. I'll, I'll lean on some fried foods when suffering comes my way. But one of the things I've actively been working on is recognizing that before I get to the fried foods, I get to the footstool of God first. Mm-hmm. So I'm not using the fried foods as my savior and, yeah. and my place of comfort solely. It's the comfort of God first, and then going to the fried foods. I'm picturing your uh, Bible with like little oil marks on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so good, guys. Um I I'm trying to decide what's the best way to go since we're almost wrapping up. Um Yeah, I feel like we touched on the idea of like how has suffering changed your deeping deep into your understanding of God in his world. Do you guys feel like you have anything else? There? I do. Yeah. I, I have one thing that I wrote down as we were um, praying beforehand that I felt like was um, something I needed to bring up. But just I think that in Christian Christian culture, and, and you can say the world as a whole, there's this notion of like two camps when it comes to suffering. Is like sometimes for people that are um, dealing with um I'll just throw it out there, internal and external suffering. Like sometimes there's internal suffering, and not all internal suffering is your own responsibility or something that you brought onto yourself, but sometimes it is. And I think that for um, some of the listeners out there, the only suffering that they've encountered is external. So when they hear about somebody else suffering, they have a mentality of what, like Emma brought up earlier, was like the, the bootstraps mentality of like, man, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I think that it's not until, sadly, that these same individuals encounter internal suffering where they have <laughs> no control of it um, and it wasn't their own doing that it brings them to a place of, oh, Wow, I was really inconsiderate when, insert whoever, was going through suffering because I'm in my mind, they're like, oh, well, I mean, you kind of called that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of uh, invoked that suffering on yourself, you know? And I think that um, as believers, um, we should have a posture of like, um, regardless of how the suffering arrived, um, being one of like what it says mm-hmm. in Ecclesiastes of like, it's, it's better <laughs> to be in the uh, house of mourning than the house of feasting. And I think that statement alone is countercultural because people, you don't see that in the movies. You don't see that in the stuff you consume. That's not what you're looking for on a weekly basis. And so knowing that of like, oh, shoot, the mm-hmm. Lord is saying it's better to be around people of like mm-hmm. that, are, that are going through rough patches than the people who are sitting here. Um, and what I... You talk about visuals. I think of like um, Toco Madero or um, some fancy restaurant in Scottsdale where it's like, <laughs> and you're you're living your life, and it's like, man, this is the best sweet moment because it's like, but that's not, um, and those moments are fun. Don't get me wrong, they're they're fun, but they're not the um, worthwhile moments of your heart. And I think that that's what God is getting to in the house of mourning is that's where it's fertile ground, mm-hmm. right? And so. Um, a better place to be. Hmm. 
you two peeps over there? No? Can you repeat the question? Yeah. How has suffering changed or deepened your understanding of God and his world? I feel like we've hit on it. Great. All right. Um, So I'm going to ask this question not in the spirit of triumphalism, if you can read it that way. How is or can the biblical story be good news for the sufferer? And when we see, say, biblical story, um, God created the world and it fell. And sin has like ruined it and marred it, illness, sickness, betrayal, all of the likes um, that I'm sure we can all relate to. Um, but that God has been on a mission to, to redeem it and restore it and that culminated in Christ. And we have the hope of, of a real new creation where all of these things that we've been talking about and grieving, um, he's going to wipe the tear away from the pain. And um, so what is, how does that story and how can it actually bring good news to the sufferer? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this, but I'm like, I don't want it to sound triumphalistic. Mm-hmm. Um but I, but I, it could, but I, actually, I don't actually think it is because death is involved in it. Yeah. But like, I think, um, like the pattern of the kingdom, if you will, like the rhythm we see in the in the biblical story is like, um, like we see, it, it's like creation, fall, redemption, mm-hmm. and then rest, God restores. And in our lives, we follow that pattern. So it's like um, death, but then resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was like, yes, like, that means obviously, like, eternally, right? Like, the first thing you think when you think of, like, what I learned about Jesus as a five-year-old, it's like, I accept Christ because when I die, (laughs) which will happen for everyone, one day I will be face-to-face with Jesus. So, yes, death. And then resurrection. But there's a reality that in life we're all living little deaths mm-hmm. or big deaths, you know. Um, deaths of dreams, deaths of family and friends, like deaths of just parts of our parts of us that are dying, parts of our desires that are constantly dying. Mm-hmm. And I think the encouragement is like this rhythm of the gospel is first death, but then resurrection. And so I was like, I feel like that is so much good news because in our deaths, right, it's like a, it's the, the J curve they talk about in a, a book we've read here before. But this J curve of like, you go low and then you're like, it can't get any worse. And there's like, oh, there's a trap door. It can keep going lower. Death, you know, it's mm-hmm. feels like deaths. But then the curve, right, there's this Jesus curve that's. Uh, resurrection always follows death. And so, um, and with that, like, uh, what is it, Romans 15, when it talks about, like, all of creation groaning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is why I love Advent. So every time Advent comes around, I'm like, oh, I get so weepy. I just, I love Advent. But because Advent, it's like we collectively remember, like, we're groaning, mm-hmm. we're waiting, we're longing, we're living life but we're longing and waiting and hoping with all our might for the king to come, mm-hmm. um, for restoration to come. And so I'm like, I think, Lord, help me, like, let this be my heart's cry 
you know, as I live, as we go through these deaths that they, they haven't stopped. Like, mm-hmm. we know, like, <laughs> they're going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it is. That's life living after the fall. Um, but God, resurrection follows death. And we long and we hope and we wait and our spirits groan for your return. And so, I don't know, that's the hopeful really hopeful for me (laughs) so there's like a difference in what you're saying than like the triumphalism yeah Mm -hmm. there is this um like abandoned surrender where it's Mm -hmm. like i've got nothing but man i sure like know someone yeah and i'm just gonna wait Mm -hmm. like and groaning for him Mm-hmm. I, I or feel we're like just gonna different. long, yeah. yeah. Just we're just different. gonna long for you, and longing is painful. Don't get me wrong. I'm mm-hmm. not sitting here saying it's so wonderful <laughs> to long. It's so painful to groan and long, yeah. and wait and weep for the Lord. Um, but I'm like, it's the only way. I think now I know how to live uh, with the kingdom of God in mind. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think. I think this, we keep having to like caveat and say it's not triumph, triumphalism or whatever. I think this podcast would be a miss if the takeaway was like, don't think about the victory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what allows us to suffer and to feel all the feelings and to not die in it is this hope that like one day, either this side of eternity or the next, like God is going to make this new, like all things. And he means all of the things. And so I think the, I think sometimes we just rush it when we say, oh, Mm -hmm. what, when we talk about, you know, the triumphalism or whatever, it's like, I want to see it now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we want to see everything now. We, We want everything quick. And I think something about suffering is it creates in us, like Emma touched on, this longing that wouldn't be there otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, like, I always have this, like, dichotomy in my head. I always tell Vic my favorite place to be is in our living room on the couch when all of our kids are home and we're on the couch and we're, like, dancing and laughing, like, better than any vacation. Mm-hmm. It's, like, my dream place to be. And never in those moments am I sitting there thinking, like, oh, I just can't wait for Jesus to return I'm thinking like, oh my God, I want to live a billion of these moments Mm -hmm. with my family. And I have on the same couch, it's the best couch in the world, this memory of sitting next to Vic when he brought home our son's ashes and holding them in a box and thinking, man, I've never wanted something as bad as I want Jesus to come back right now and make this new. And don't wipe your eyes, Emma. It's going to make me cry. Um, Well, I already am crying, but... I think, um, man, that's the good news of the biblical story is that he is. He really is. Like there will, I think about this part in Revelation 22, and it says there will no longer be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship. And it just goes on to talk about what it's going to be like in that day. And I'm like, dang, my son will be there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think... It's not that we don't want to think about the victory. I mean, that's the hope Mm -hmm. that, like, God, you're going to do this someday. Like, Mm -hmm. I have to cling to that. Um, But it's that I think hopefully the takeaway of some of this podcast is, like, don't rush it. Mm -hmm. And I think because when we rush it, we're actually not depending on the biblical story. We're depending on our own plans. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I make this better? 
Um, it's not like, man, I'll sit and wait for as long as it takes for God to make this better. It's like, okay, lost a baby. In a few months, we'll try again. And, you know, and I start planning my way into seeing the redemption and the restoration of Jesus, and that's just not how it works. Um, so not only is the biblical story good news, it's like the only news. Yeah. It's like the only hope, I think. I think of the biblical story being good news for the sufferer of like with the creation, fall, redemption, and uh, the new creation slash restoration. It takes me back to like this glimpse that I had last Sunday in church. I have my five-year-old in my lap and I'm sitting here and I feel like because of the suffering that I've encountered prior, the Lord has taken me on a trip of like, hey, this is a really like sweet moment. And I'm like, but dang, I could literally die tomorrow and my five-year-old will like still be here. And then like, I'm like, and so I'm like, I feel like the Lord was taking me on a journey of like fast forwarding my five-year-old to like being a grandmother, right? And I'm like, I will have been gone from the earth for a very long time at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as I'm like soaking this up, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm like, when I leave this earth, I'm, I will be with the Lord, the risen King. And I'm like, it's so it's so hard to comprehend because our family is the only thing that we tangibly know. Mm-hmm. And like in First Timothy, it talks about how um, Jesus is like the invisible God, right? And so it's like for our memories, we base it off of images, you know, and like moments. And it's hard to like, put that on the same playing field as, like, seeing my five-year-old daughter, right? And I sit there and I go, but of all, like, the scripture that I've walked through, and I go, new creation, I'm like, man, this is sweet. Because even more important than, like, my relationship with my daughter is, like, I'm going to be with the risen king, mm-hmm. the Lord of Lords, this um, Jesus who I've never met face-to-face, but I've heard about and who's taken me from um, season to season of life, Mm-hmm. And like held my hand and been close, mm-hmm. and through all of the death, like watched over me. And with the near death misses of like God communicating clearly, like, hey, I've got you, mm-hmm. right? And being like, oh, that Jesus, like, as I look at like my wife or my aunt, or like, you know, that friend that you haven't seen in uh, a really long time, you see him in the embrace is like, and that for God would still be an injustice, it will be. A hundred multiplied, you know? And so I sit there and go, how is like the biblical story good news for the suffering? I'm like, man, there is coming a day where you're going to get to experience things that you've never experienced. And the only way that you can compare is that your most joyful moments Mm -hmm. on this earth would be a very, 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 very sad moment in the new creation. Mm-hmm. as the only comparison, you know, but for our feelings and like our mind, it's like, no, you're telling me when I got to go on that ride in Disneyland and COVID, when it took me five minutes to go back in the line, it typically takes four and a half hours. And I was like, man, this is the best day ever would be like a really, really sad moment of like the new creation. It's like in comparison to what is accounting in there where you get to see the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Yes. A mm-hmm. hundred times over. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, sitting in that, it's like, man, there is a life to come that is going to be really sweet when we get to encounter our risen Savior. And that is where the good news is, like Molly mm-hmm. said, the only news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think 
That's it. Okay. I think just one other thing I think about, because we've all shared this, like, man, this hope is in this future hope. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, for present is something I think God has been teaching me is, like, there's something really freeing about realizing, like, we're just human and, like, God is in control. I think so much—I th- I think so much of, like, the torment of our suffering is we're just not in control. Mm-hmm. And, like, we were—the well, podcast wasn't recording yet, but we were talking about it earlier, like, this idea of vulnerability. And when we think about vulnerability or when I used to think about vulnerability, we think that it's, like, a choice. Like, oh, I'm going to choose to be vulnerable on this podcast. I'm going to choose what I share and I don't share. And I'm realizing in this season, like, to be human means we're all, like, ridiculously, devastatingly vulnerable to God Mm -hmm. and His plan. Like, we don't, you know, we think we have all these choices, and we're going to get to plan how it all goes. And then when suffering comes, it just, like, uproots our paradigm Mm -hmm. because we're like, no, I didn't—I can't make this person not be sick, or I can't— Make the, I can't change this. I can't go back to yesterday and do something different for today. And I think I'm sitting in this season right now of like, dang, I'm so vulnerable to whatever it is that God is doing. And there's a part of me that wants to grasp for control in that. And then there's a part of me that's like, man, I just breathe easier if I just like sit back and open my hands to it because I don't have a choice. Like mm-hmm. the, I think... I don't know what you guys think, but I feel like the the fighting for some sense of control in the midst of suffering is almost one of the worst parts about it. Like I'm so out of out of control. I so cannot protect myself from this God and His plan. And so I think when you rest in this rest in the story of like, hey, this is what it means to be human. I'm not God, mm-hmm. and God is, but I know how this ends. I think there's something really freeing about that today. Not just like, okay, I know, and how whenever I die, it won't feel like this. But it's like, no, today, there's actually a peace that comes in. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just literally like in the hand of of the potter. And yeah, yeah, this was so good, guys. Um, yeah, I just feel like the biblical story really gives the sufferer good news because it reveals a God who made a good world and delighted in it and loved it so much that even when it trashed itself, like was willing to die for it. And um, yeah, that he, he gives us himself. And I think that's what you're getting at Molly, that like we have like the hope of the past and then we talked about like the glories to come and like in the midst of it, like Jesus meets us here and tells us who he is and who we are in relationship to that. Um, Yeah, I'm so grateful for you guys. This has been really good and I hope it's a blessing to all of you guys who listen, but thank you. Thanks, Amen. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Great spending time with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All of Life podcast. To get more information on Redemption Church Tempe, you can download the Redemption Tempe app or you can send an email to tempe at redemptionaz.com.